Hi. How great is this? Uh, this is great. Uh, it's good to, be, good to be back inside. Uh, you know, it's actually been 29 weeks since we were inside this room, and we are just so thankful to Jesus to be back in here. In fact, I just want to stop right now. We're just going to pray and praise God. Uh, Lord, thank you that we are in here. We give you the praise, the glory, the credit, and we just know, God, in our final few months in this building, uh, that you're going to do amazing things. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm excited this morning. As you can see, we are starting a brand new series called Endurance, uh, and we're going to take four weeks, and we're going to go verse by verse through a particular chapter in the Bible. Uh, that chapter is Hebrews uh, chapter 12. It's, it's really a great letter, and that chapter in particular gives us some really good teaching on how to run your spiritual race with endurance. And, and maybe that's something you need right now. Maybe you feel like slowing down or quitting your spiritual race or just taking a long break. And if you don't feel that way right now, the reality is at some point you will. The race of life, especially the spiritual life, is hard. And if you're going to run after Jesus the whole way, if you're going to finish your race, you're going to need endurance. Endurance is the ability to keep going even when things are hard. Okay, let's get to our passage. Uh, If you want to follow along, again, you can just use the Renovation Church app. You tap a Bible in weekly verses. Uh, For the time being, we don't have Bibles uh, under our chair. We are going to get back to that eventually. That's a huge value to us as a church to have the Word of God in front of you. In fact, uh, we're going to order all brand new Bibles for our building when we move in in a few months because our old Bibles have just taken a beating after 10 years of a setup and teardown. But for right now, we're still using the app. And we have this super fancy new invention called the screen uh, that we have back that I'm just really excited about. But I still want to encourage you, open up the Bible on your phone, and then you can kind of read it at your own pace. This morning, we're going to take a look at three, pra- three practices right out of our passage that are going to help you keep running after Jesus. So let's take a look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, we're starting right at verse 1. Uh, here's what it says. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Okay, let's take a look at the first practice. The first practice to help you keep running after Jesus is this. Throw off all weights and entanglements. So look at verse 1. The writer starts with therefore. You know, one of the rules of of biblical interpretation is whenever you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, what's it there for? (laughs) That's really cute. Okay, so you've got to look back to what's it referring to. Well, it's referring to the chapter previous to it, which is Hebrews chapter 11, a very famous chapter in the Bible. Some call it the Faith Hall of Fame, and it's this list of all of these amazing people who, through their faith, endured difficult circumstances. So then when we get into our chapter, chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, therefore, he's saying, therefore, because of these witnesses, because of these people I'm talking about in chapter 11, who, because of their endurance through faith, persevered, let us then throw off everything that hinders. Now, the sense of that word hinders is uh, actually more like, let us throw off weights. In fact, if you read any other translation, that's actually what it says, throw off weights, the things that are weighing you down. See, the visual is your life is like a race. 
And in that race, you are not leading, you are following Jesus Christ. What do we call ourselves as Christians? We say we are followers of Jesus. And so as you're following Jesus in this race, the idea is you want to throw off anything that would weigh you down. You ever watch like professional marathon runners? Do they go run with like weights on or like sweatshirts? No, they have like scandalously short shorts, right? They, they, they want to throw off everything that would hinder them in their race. And that's sort of the idea of that verse. Because it's hard to keep running when you have a lot of weights on you. Now, this is really interesting. When he's talking about take off everything that's hindering or the weights that are slowing you down, he's actually not talking about sin. He's going to get to that in a second, but it's something categorically and entirely different. The writer is asking, where do you need to let go of something good so that you can better follow something great? Jesus. That's the question he's asking you. Because it's hard to run with weights on. You know, a few hundred years before Jesus, uh, the great conqueror, Alexander the Great, was uh, marching towards Persia. That's kind of like where modern-day Iran is. And at one critical point, it appeared like his soldiers were going to be defeated, which was like unheard of for them. And what had happened is his soldiers, from all their victories, had taken so much plunder that just on their backs, from battle to battle, were just carrying like bags of gold and silver. And as you can imagine, the weight of that over time and all the travels just weighted them down, and so they were sluggish in battle, and they weren't winning like they used to. Well, Alexander figured this out, and he took all of their plunder, threw it in a huge heap, and then burned it to the ground. And all the men, of course, were incensed about this at first, but eventually they became, begun to see the wisdom of the order. In fact, one historian later wrote that after they destroyed their plunder, it was like they had wings again, right, that, that were given to them, and they could walk lightly, and then they started to win all sorts of battles. You know, my, my general sense of American Christians is that in our prosperity, we are typically quite poor at knowing the difference between something good and something great. You know, one of the main reasons that so few of us are actually running hard after Jesus is because we are overly weighed down with good things instead of throwing them off to pursue great things. The main emphasis of so many of our lives is improving our families or helping our kids grow academically or athletically. And our whole lives revolve around that. right? Or the, the, our lives revolve around working on our careers or improving our health. Now listen, those are all good things. They're good. Quite good. But they're not great. It sort of reminds me, you know that verse in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 where Paul says, a physical training is of some value, like it's good, but it's not great. It's not godliness. It's not your main race that you're running. So you were not put on this earth to get to the end of your life and say, you know what? I succeeded because my kid played Division I football. I did my task in life. Or I made vice president at my company, or my family still all gets along. That's nice. That's good. But you ran the wrong race. You'll get to the finish line and realize this isn't the right finish line. 
Look at the text. I find this really interesting. It says, we are to throw off. It doesn't say gently remove. It says you are to throw off every weight that hinders, every and anything that would weigh you down from running as hard as possible after Jesus, you're to throw it off. What is that in your life? What is the good thing that you have in your life that you're putting too much energy into and it's actually hindering you from following Jesus with all of your heart? But it's not just that. The writer says we're also to throw off this sin in our lives that so easily entangles. It's the sin that trips you up, that sort of entangles around your legs like vines. It slows you down from following Jesus. By the way, this is a good theological question for you. Do you think of sin that way? I think too often as Christians, when we think about sin, we only think about avoiding sin. And we don't make any sort of connection on what sin does to our very pursuit of Jesus Christ. You know, the lowest question in the spiritual life is this. It's this question. It's, is this sin? Or sometimes we ask that in a slightly different way. We'll say, well, where's the line? Like, if I watch this movie, or if I listen to this song, if I do this with my family or this at work, is that bad? Like, when does it become sin? I just believe that's the lowest question you can ask in Christianity. It's the wrong question. Because that question is like asking, how can I get as far away from Jesus as possible and still have him be pleased with me? It's the wrong question. I want you to try, when you think about sin, I want you to try asking this question. If I do this, will it help or hinder me from following Jesus? Does it help me run faster after him or will it cause me to run slower after him? See, when you think about sin that way, it actually will steer your heart towards asking about sin in terms of your relationship with Jesus. Is this helping me follow him? Or the other questions like, is this sin or how far is too far? You know what that is? That's steering your heart back to the law, back to some sort of uh, way of looking at your faith where it's based on how many good deeds you have and how many bad deeds you have. And that's not New Testament Christianity. This brings us to our, our second practice to help us keep running after Jesus. And the second one is this, fix your eyes on Jesus. So after you throw off the weights, you throw off the entanglements, we're told we're supposed to fix, lock in our eyes on Jesus. That's how you endure. In fact, you won't endure. You won't finish your walk, your race as a Christian by guilting yourself into it. You won't finish your race by continuing to shame yourself or by swearing off sin. We're told, no, the secret to endurance is to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. So like if you're running an actual real race, one of the things they tell runners is you're just to look straight ahead. That's how you run. You don't look down. You don't look at the trees on the side or the buildings you're passing. You certainly don't look at all the people coming up behind you. You just fix your eyes straight ahead. That's how you run a race. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says when he's running, and he's talking metaphorically, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I have a goal. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And I think this is a question for every single one of us. What are our eyes fixed on? 
What is the goal of your life? Like if somebody could watch you for a month, what would they say that you are running after? And I think if we're going to run harder after Jesus, if we're going to follow him more closely, we've got to improve on learning to just fix our eyes on Jesus. Because we as Christians, we have wandering eyes, don't we? We keep getting distracted, especially as American Christians, by all these sideways pursuits. Again, they're not bad, but these other pursuits are not the main reason you were put on earth. You know, back in the day when Walt Disney uh, was still the head of Disney, uh, he was ruthless, just ruthless, in cutting anything in his movies that got in the way of the story's pacing, of where the plot was supposed to head, supposed to go. In fact, Ward Kimball, who's one of the animators of the movie Snow White, uh, once said that he had worked 240 days on this four-and-a-half-minute sequence of Snow White where the dwarfs were kind of making up a dinner in the kitchen for Snow White, and then the kitchen got all trashed by what they were doing. And he said, after 240 days of work, Walt Disney looked at it, and he came and he said, oh, that's funny. But you know what? It stops the flow of the picture. And it was a distraction for where the movie Snow White was supposed to go. So just like that, even though the guy had spent 240 days on it, Walt Disney threw it out the window. It was good, but it wasn't great. It was a distraction. Let me ask you a really hard question. When you die someday, and you get to heaven, and you watch back the film of your life, will it be as great as it could have been? Or will it be filled with a whole lot of distractions taking you away from your main race? The great Puritan theologian Richard Baxter once said this, and this is intense, but this is how the Puritans spoke. He says this. He says, It is lamentable indeed, knowing that God has set mankind in such a race where heaven or hell is their certain end, that they should sit down and loiter or run after the childish toys of the world, forgetting the prize they should run for. Were it but possible for one of us to see this business as the all-seeing God does and see what most men and women in the world are interested in and what they are doing every day, it would be the saddest sight imaginable. Oh, how we would marvel at their madness and lament their self-delusion. At the distraction of the good but not great things. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the finish line of your race. My friend, God has called you to something great. Each and every one of you. That doesn't mean that you need to go be a missionary or some international evangelist. By no means. For the vast majority of you, God wants to use you right where you are. He wants to use you to lead your family spiritually. He wants to lead you in your neighborhood to bring you. He wants to use you at work. So many of us, we're just, we're, yeah, we're kind of on the race course a little bit, but we're just distracted by the birds on the side of the road. We're weighed down by distractions. We're entangled in sin. We are to fix 
our eyes on Jesus. And so when you feel yourself sort of drifting back into the worldly obsessions and toys and distractions, fix your eyes on Jesus. That means get back every day into prayer, into talking to him so you can move your eyes. You know, one of the things Garrett just talked about, get in, the, get in house groups again, right? Because we need other people to kind of go, no, nope, head this way. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When you feel your mood starting to drop and those anxious thoughts are coming back and the angry thoughts are starting to come back, it's fix your eyes on Jesus, and you open up his word again. You start to study, who is Jesus? What are the promises he gave me? What are the truths I can learn about him? I fix my eyes. Every morning when you wake up, you start at some point, maybe before you even leave your place, I'm going to open up the word. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on him so I can run straight the rest of my day. That's what it's talking about. The very key to your endurance is the gaze. Like the strengthening happens in the connection of you gazing at Jesus. And this really connects to the third practice. And the third practice to help you keep running is this. Consider him who endured. Here's the thing. As you run the race, there's a number of things that are going to be uh, difficult for us as Christians. The first is all these distractions that we fall for, the birds on the side of the road. The second is the sinful vines we kind of entangle ourselves in. And the third really is sort of the opposition that comes to us, or just the general adversity and suffering that we encounter in our lives. And so we're reminded in this passage that when we suffer adversity, we've got to consider him who endured. You know, one of the main reasons that Christians do not finish their race is because they can't endure the difficulty of suffering. God, how would you, why would you do this to me? How could you let this happen? And they jump off the race course. But what does it say? When suffering, I'm talking the really hard times. You lose your job, you lose a loved one. You're going, what is going on? The Bible gives you really specific instructions. Fix your eyes. And not just fix your eyes like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to remember your kindness, your mercy, your love. It says you're actually supposed to fix your eyes and remember something, focus on something very specific in those seasons of life. You are to consider him who endured. You fix your eyes on Jesus and the cross. You fix your eyes on the, in your suffering, you fix your eyes on his suffering. Isn't it interesting? You fix your eyes on Jesus who had to go through six fake trials. Jesus who was mocked by his opponents. Jesus whom they put on a royal robe and they punctured his skin with the crown of thorns and mocked him. And they made him carry that heavy cross. And they put him up on the cross and they pounded thick long nails through his hands and through his feet and jesus tells us that at any time during that process he could have called down legions of angels and stopped it and yet he didn't he endured the suffering and why would he do that it says right in our passage it says he endured the suffering for the joy set before him He endured the cross. See, Jesus suffers through the cross because he knows what is coming. 
He knows what is coming is his resurrection. He knows what is coming is his saving of you. It's the redemption of all the faithful. And that is far greater than anything he will suffer. And so he endures. He fixes his eyes on his father and the joy set before him. And he endures. And so must you in the difficult times that come in your life. You fix your eyes on the cross. You have not suffered to the point of shedding blood, as verse says. We haven't suffered like he suffered. He knows suffering. And as you endure the hard seasons, I want you to remember something else. In fact, this, if you still have it in front of you, go back to verse 1. There's something in here. Maybe you just glossed right over this when you read it the first time. This is the end of verse 1. It says this, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Isn't that interesting? The race marked out for us. Now, I don't know how much you know about the sport of cross-country. If you don't know that much about it, uh, there's a great movie you can watch, Overcomer. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about cross-country. It's a great movie. But if you don't know much about the high school sport of running, of cross-country, what they do is it's not like running around a track. Usually it's through the woods or a field or a park. And the race organizers will go out ahead of time, and they will mark out the race. They'll put a little flag here, maybe an arrow there, a sign here, and they've marked out the entire chart course of the race so that the runners know where to go. And I want you to know that what the Bible is telling you this morning is God has, in his sovereignty, has marked out your race. And so don't bow out. Don't quit. Just because right now you're on this really hilly part of the course that he marked out for you, or the part that feels like it's going deep back into the dark woods, listen, listen to the word. He has already marked out the whole thing for you. God knows your beginning, he knows your middle, and he knows your glorious end. And in his foreknowledge, he has gone on ahead of you, and he has planted each and every marker, knowing that even if right now you're in the season where it feels like you are running straight uphill, that God marked it out, and then he knew it was good, and he knew it was right. Run with endurance the race marked out for you, because God has marked it out. Speaking of running, let me, let me tell you an incredible story about running. Back in 1968, the Mexico Olympics, Mexico City, October 20th, 7 o'clock, and the race for the marathon in the Olympics was just sort of ending. It was beginning to darken. Uh, almost all the runners had finished by now. In fact, over an hour earlier, Mama Waldi, who was Ethiopian, incredible runner, had finished, won the marathon, looked about as strong as when he started. And as the last few thousand spectators were kind of preparing to leave the stadium, they heard police sirens. And whistles through the gate entering the stadium. And everyone's attention is, most of the stadium was gone, but a few thousand people that were left, they looked to the gate. And then a sole figure wearing the colors of Tanzania comes limping into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Hakwari. He was the last man to finish the marathon in 1968. He comes in the stadium, his leg is all bandaged, it's bloody. He had taken a horrible fall earlier on in the race. And that was all he could do to just sort of limp around that final lap around the track. This is on YouTube if you want to see it. It's incredible. And as the crowd spots him coming in, limping, I mean, he's just like, you can see the video, he's just, he's limping into the stadium. 
they stand as one. And then begin to applaud this brave man from Tanzania as he finishes that last lap. And when he crosses the finish line, one journalist dared to ask him the question that everybody was thinking. He said, sir, you are so badly injured. Why didn't you quit? Why didn't you give up? And Akwari looked at the journalist and he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And so it is with God. God didn't send you just to start this race. He didn't send you just to begin a noble task or begin a relationship with him. He sent you both to start your race and to finish it. Keep running. Keep running. For the joy set before you, keep running. Oh, I mean, what joy there will be when you finish your race. I mean, you, can you imagine... Can you imagine when you die and you meet Jesus and Jesus is walking towards you and he looks at you and he says, my friend, my friend, you kept running. You kept running. Even when you fell down, you got back up and you kept running. Even when you came to that hilly part and when I set that out for you, I knew that was going to be so hard, but I did it for your good and you kept running. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You kept running. Keep running. Let me pray. Jesus, our Savior, keep our eyes on you this morning. That if we have fallen, that if we have turned around, that if we are limping, God, wherever we may be, pick us up. Get us on course. Get us on the track. God, get us running again at the joyous future you have set before us. God, thank you that you know suffering, that you endured suffering, that you experienced suffering. And thank you for your love. And we are here to worship you and praise you. And may we do that from the bottom of our hearts now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.